Listener Production. US and European stocks falter at the weekend on the prospect of lower growth and higher interest rates. And Aussie shares expected to open lower with IGA owner Metcash's earnings in focus. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, June 26. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, I've anointed myself. As the president of Russia? <laughs> no, the moderator in chief for the moment. Right. So, Okay. Um, and thank mean? you. We welcome your feedback. And um, I'm going to quote Verve Studio uh, on Thursday. Head, uh, headline, too much sport. I follow this podcast to get an update on the share market, not on sport. If I want sport, I'll listen to a sports podcast. Thanks, Verve Studio. We'll, uh, we'll take that on board. So why don't we just for the moment at least veto sporting um, conversations. Okay. See how we go. But nonetheless, we don't need to talk about sport, Ryan, when... You have a weekend like the one that has just passed. At the end of last week, US and European stocks were under the pump. Uh, weaker growth measures, cheek by jowl with the conversation of uh, higher interest rates. Uh, any number of central banks last week that spoke about the need for higher interest rates. And that's not a recipe for buying stocks, is it? Absolutely not. And we saw US stocks notch the worst week since March. And that was really on the back of anxiety about the continuation of interest rate hikes by central banks. And at the same time, we saw some figures around the world, purchasing manager indexes, as they're called. So the business surveys. So let's do it in um, chronological terms. The first batch we saw out of Europe and you know, important countries like France, Germany, taking a big step back in terms of their rates of activity over the course of the last month. So uh, in a week where you had the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, talking about the March higher for, uh, for interest rates, this was not what you wanted to hear. Well, we did see the indexes dropping sharply in Europe in the month of June. That gives a broad sense of a weakening in economic activity towards the end of the June quarter and another quarter of negative GDP or, or continuation of the recession that's occurring in Europe would suggest that really the European Central Bank's in a bit of a bind at the moment. Activity remains weak enough for the European Central Bank to recalibrate its direction for interest rates, but at this stage we think they'll continue to lift because inflation is still above 6%. And what we did see in the data on the weekend was the job market still remained quite firm. In historical terms, uh, if you saw figures that were this weak, then analysts would start calculating, okay, this is the point at which we start to talk about that move higher for interest rates, moderating. But uh, as we have heard from central banks, they are prepared uh, to chuck something on the bonfire as a sacrifice to get inflation down. So it might be growth, it might be employment, might be a, a range of things. But we're certainly at that point where just because we've seen weaker activity measures, doesn't necessarily spell a moderation in that conversation around raising rates. And what we did see is that robustness really in the labour market continue. If you look at the surveys in Europe, we did see increased headcount during the month from European businesses. So that suggests that there'll be increased demands for wages. And at the same time, the policymakers may choose to look through the numbers because we have seen robust holiday bookings across Europe of course, everyone's on Instagram in Australia at the moment. But it is uh, that time Posting of those year. holidays, yes. those holiday pics. Those lucky Australians that are there taking advantage of that gentle European sun to get that deep ochre tan 
that Madame Lagarde is known for. Tangerine. <laughs> but, um, but look, let's um, get across the Atlantic to the US because the story there in relation to activity measures wasn't much better. So what stood out to me, Ryan, was that measure of manufacturing activity moving further into a contractionary phase. Absolutely. So we're seeing a deep recession in the manufacturing sector across the world at the moment, including the US. So a slowing of those production lines, that's really on the back of consumers really focusing their attention on the services side of the economy. We have seen the ending of the pandemic broadly and demand for goods have receded, supply chains have healed and demand for manufactured goods has eased significantly and we have seen activity continuing to decline in that sector. So at the end of the US session, the Dow Jones was down by 0.7 of a percent. The S&P 500 had fallen by 0.8 of a percent and the NASDAQ was down by about a percent. So the S&P 500 over the week uh, down by 1.4 percent. Uh, as you rightly point out, the worst weekly performance on average uh, since March. So in the case of the ASX 200 down by 1.3 percent. Indeed the worst week since the middle of March. Uh, are we getting closer to uh, some sort of a bottoming out process, Ryan, or is, um, is this just going to be something that drags on for the next couple of months? Tom, what we have seen is an increasing uneasiness about the tech sector. So we have seen in recent days a bit of a sell-off take place. Of course, we have seen a very strong rally in the tech sector this year on the back of the artificial intelligence frenzy. And what we did see last week, according to the Bank of America, was about $2 billion US dollars worth of outflows in that sector, the largest in 10 weeks. So perhaps investors are getting concerned about the prospect of further rate hikes and also looking to take some profits towards the end of June after a strong run in tech shares. Indeed. So just to quickly uh, unpack what that means is that uh, market participants look very carefully at measures of momentum when it comes to uh, investor sentiment. So Ryan, just talking about the outflows, you know, when you see numbers like that, it's an indication that perceptions have changed a little bit and that that's going to be reflected in the way that risk managers uh, want to invest their money. And that movement out of that sector, uh, given the run-up that we've seen recently, is, is quite important. But also there's another important development, which we've seen many headlines around at the weekend, Ryan, um, which inspires taking less risk. And I'm talking, of course, about what appears to be a failed coup d'etat in Russia. You're tending to sort of think that this is a bit of smoke and mirrors and that it's um, perhaps um, too much is being read into it. Well, it could be. We, we don't just know. don't know we what's don't happening know. Yep. internally within Russia at the moment. There's a lot of focus on Vladimir Putin's presidential election and adverted commas in 2024 and whether he's looking to purge individuals. I think that's being very gracious, calling it an election. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But whether he was looking to purge certain opponents, including Russian mercenary Yevgeny Prizhgin, and, of course, he tried to advance towards Moscow yeah. during yeah. the weekend. and Quite Napoleonic. Indeed. At least and he didn't do it in winter. That's, that's right. And in order to end the revolt, Vladimir Putin guarantee that Prigzhin would be allowed to leave for Belarus. So what this all means, of course, is there could be a bid, safe haven bid for gold in the near yep. term on the back of this unrest. And of course, look out for developments in oil. Certainly the civil unrest does pose a risk to Russian supply, particularly the export 
centres of the Baltic Sea and Black Sea and the Wagner Group, who were the mercenaries that supposedly were involved in the civil unrest, they have some presence in all fields around Libya. You know, you kind of think that this might be an improvement. It's not by any measure. At the very least, you could see a disintegration of the Russian situation along ethnic fault lines and what that might mean is that certain geographic jurisdictions then become closed off and as you rightly point out that could impact the movement of um, various commodities. It's quite a complex situation and the bottom line is under these circumstances uh, investors generally take the, the path of least friction which is shunning risk and opting for safe havens, such as uh, gold, as you reasonably pointed out, U.S. government bonds, U.S. treasuries, uh, the Japanese yen. U.S. An, dollar. Uh, U.S. dollar, another example of things that might be sought out. You know, depending on the circumstances, the Aussie dollar could be seen as a bit of a safe haven um, as well, although it's not been reflected in the fortunes of the currency. Not recently. Just one other point on the Russian situation. Of course, the Ukraine war persists and yep. whether... That's not being Vladimir involved. Putin is looking for a scapegoat to blame for the lack of progress there. But the other thing is that we have seen a big lift in grain prices. So yep. corn and wheat prices have been going up. Ukraine is a big exporter of it. And that could then in turn feed into food inflation at the time that we least need it. In terms of looking ahead this week, Ryan, there is a lot that will make a difference this week. Uh, some of the highlights include uh, the retail sales numbers locally, uh, the monthly inflation numbers. They're going to be so important in terms of the next rate decision from the RBA. Absolutely. So we're expecting to see a deceleration in the annual pace of monthly consumer prices to 6.2%, and that would be down from 6.8% in April. That's for the month of May, of course. And that It's will be... important to make that distinction between the monthly and the quarterly numbers. Absolutely. So we're expecting to see inflation driven down by fuel, although it doesn't feel like it at the moment with petrol prices where they are. We also expect travel prices to fall, but rent and insurance inflation will likely to come through. We also expect to see retail spending ease by 0.2% in the month of May under the weight of rising mortgage repayments and rent. Indeed. And further afield in the United States, really important week. We've got the a measure of inflation that the Fed looks at most closely. But at the same time, we'll see the release of US bank stress tests. So we seem to see one crisis developing and then we're throwing our minds back to a more older version of a, of a crisis. So those um, US bank stress tests are going to be quite important, aren't they? They will be, certainly with the regional banking situation at the moment. And interest rates are likely to increase, increase stress on commercial property exposures in particular. So look out for that one. And then, of course, towards the end of the week, we get the personal income and spending data in the United States. A key component of that is the personal consumption expenditure deflator, which is just the US Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation. They aim for 2% there on a year-on-year basis. And the PCE deflator could lift by 3.9%. So could start to ease from those high levels of over 4%. But the US Federal Reserve looks at what's called the super core PCE, and that includes categories like healthcare and services, where that's the focus the of inflation the at the moment. So look out for that. Indeed. So the futures are telling us that the ASX 200 will kick off with a loss of around 0.2 of a percent this morning. Uh, that seems, under the circumstances, optimistic, uh, given what we saw in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly on the weekend. So keep an eye on that. Uh, commodity prices having 
seen that pressure at the weekend. That might be a factor also to take into consideration today. Uh, we had both uh, the US and European benchmarks of oil down by around half of 1% on Friday, uh, but that might be slightly dated information, again, given what happened at the weekend. Gold futures uh, were firmer on Friday, again, antiquated news up by a third of a percent to 1929 US an ounce, and we saw a pretty concerted drive lower for global interest rates. So in the case of a a two-year government bond in the US, down by about five basis points. Uh, German government bonds were down quite substantially, Ryan. It, uh, uh, a two-year bond went from 319 to 305. Uh, that is a big move lower, and that was obviously on the back of that weaker um, economic news. It finished at 3.09% a German bond, so um, that is important under the circumstances. Today, uh, a few things that will be engaging investors? Absolutely. So Metcash, which is the owner of IGA Supermarkets, Mitre 10 Home and your favourite store, Total Tools, uh, it'll be releasing its earnings results. So according to Goldman Sachs, it expects Metcash to report net sales of $15,816 million, an underlying net profit of about $281 million after tax. So that will be a share that will probably move the market. And also Fisher and Paykel Healthcare shares trade X dividend could be lower, Tom. Indeed. So the Aussie dollar, as we start Asian trade, uh, slightly weaker than where it was on Monday afternoon. It's at 66.8 US cents. Ryan, it promises to be a fascinating week for the market. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be another blockbuster, Tom. I can't wait. Indeed. So thank you very much for tuning in this morning. Have a wonderful day and week. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.